All right, so we're going to look at the passing of a successor. So, so I in, in front of you, you will see Bamidbar 25, uh, 20, chapter 27, which is going to talk all about the passing of uh, leadership. But I want to focus initially on the latter part, which is, um, so I'm going to see if I can get the Hebrew and the English here together. Okay, so it's a number three as those as the brackets and the columns. I'll be reading the Hebrew and translating. You can read the English. So something we see quite regularly. But now it's and Moshe said to Hashem, Hashem Please can you Hashem, God of all spirits, the word Ruchot, the word Ruach. Ruach can mean spirit, can mean wind, can mean direction. Um, so it's not clear. But Hashem, can you, the, the God of all Ruach, can you place, you've called, like a mifaked, a point or a anoint, the, the God of the spirits of all men, a man on the, a person on the community, that will go out in front of them or come in in front of them. That will take them out and bring them in. And it should not be that the, the flock of Hashem should go without a shepherd. So just that line is 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 quite is, is incredibly pregnant for meaning because what over here? So Hashem, Moshe says to Hashem, Hashem, God of the spirits of all men, please appoint a leader, Isha, a leader on the community that will go, that will come. That it's almost like that Moshe is telling Hashem, this is what needs to happen. We need to create a leader. So Hashem says to Moshe now in the fourth chapter. This is in the the fourth paragraph here, and the number four in the brackets. And so Hashem says back to Moshe, Take Joshua ben Nun, that has the spirit, again the word ruach, spirit in him, and place your hands on him. That word samachta is the same as we have for smicha. That smicha uh, is, uh, we, we, is ordination, but it really means it's to either to place your hands on him or to lean, somech noflim. So is uh, to be able to support. The mother total if Nayelazar Kohen in bring in front of Elazar the Kohen Gadol. But if Nayekoladan in front of the whole community, it's a veto total in him, and you will command him to be the leader in front of all of them. Benatata Motcha Lav, and you'll give from your glory unto him. Lamani Shmuel Koladat Benesho in front that all of Israel should hear. But if Nayelazar Kohen Yamod Veshalo, okay, etc., etc. So Moshe comes to Hashem and says, Hashem, God of all spirits of man. Please appoint someone over the entire community that will go out and come in and take them out and bring them back in. And they shouldn't be like a flock without a shepherd. So Hashem says, all right, we get your Yeshua ben Nun. He's the guy for the job. All right, so that's the other way that the, you know, the, the psukim presents it. Now, exactly what's going on over here is not entirely clear as far as the timing goes. Like, what, what is happening at this point in time? And... You know, what, what, we know that Moshe is not going into the land of Israel. We know he's been denied that opportunity. So at some point, Moshe's leadership is going to come to an end. So what I, what I question here for a second is, what does Moshe think Hashem is thinking? So Moshe is saying, Hashem, don't let them be a, a flock without a shepherd. So if I said to you, don't do that, there's a sign that I'm scared you might do that. 
So is, are we trying to say that Moshe sent Hashem, please make sure there's a shepherd because I don't want them to be without a shepherd because if I don't tell you Hashem to appoint a leader, it's going to be as if that you wouldn't appoint a leader. So because, how, how would you say something like that? Okay. So that's, that's one of the questions. And then not only that, is Hashem, Hashem, Moshe is giving Hashem very specific qualities. He needs to be, um, be able to go out and come in and take them out and bring them back in. Exactly what that means isn't clear. But it's very clear that Hashem says to Moshe. And when Moshe says this, we, okay, we already know the end of the story. We know that Joshua is going to take over for Moshe. And I would dare I say that as you read the Chumash, it seems quite obvious. Because we saw Joshua in the first battle when they, uh, with Amalek when they, after the splitting of the sea. Then we saw Joshua again when uh, he w- goes up Mount Sinai with Moshe. Then we see Joshua again as the Misharet, as the servant of Moshe f- from his youth that we saw in Pasha Balotcha. We see, then we see Joshua being one of the spies that go into Israel and comes back with a positive report as well. We've seen Joshua is his. Other, other than Moshe and Aaron, he's the most well-known character in the entire Chumash. You know, he, he's got the long, long, greatest longevity. You know, he's, he's spanned from, uh, from Pashat Bashalach until now, from the beginning of Sefer Shemot until now. We've seen Yoshua all over the place. But apparently, according to Moshe, it, Moshe, do, Moshe doesn't come to Hashem and says, I would like to appoint Yoshua now. It's always Moshe says, I wonder, we need a leader. Um, I don't know. It's like we need to find a, a ra- imagine such a case. We need to find a rabbi for the shul. Uh, there's no rabbi for the shul. Let's go look for a rabbi for the shul. But hold on. There's a rabbi for the shul. There's a guy who's been in waiting the whole time. He's like, he's, he's there prime for the position. Why would you need to do such a thing? Okay. So that's my question. That's, that seems to be one of the challenges of here. So we're going to look at how Rashi understands this. So unfortunately, um, in my haste to make a, uh, a sheets today. I was not able to um, translate the Rashi's, but I, I will translate them for you. Okay. So Rashi says as follows. So Yifkod Hashem, Hashem should appoint. So Rashi says as follows. If you're following me, we are over here. So Hashem, so Hashem says, so, so, sorry, I've got all these little things in front of my screen. Kevin Shema Moshe. Since Moshe heard, since Moshe heard that an inheritance was going to be given to the daughters of Tzlovchad, I'll explain this in a second. So Rashi deals with a problem that we see a little bit earlier that has to do with the timing. So if you look earlier, so I, I started on chapter 3. But if you go to chapter or brackets two, sorry, brackets one, here's a story that comes, and this comes a little bit earlier in our parasha. So I'm going to paraphrase what happens, and this is a conclusion. There's a man named Slovchad. We don't know anything about him. We've never met him. He's, he, this is the first time we hear of him. But he has five daughters. And his daughters, immediately after the laws of inheritance are given, and the laws of inheritance is that every son inherits his father. And, and that would be divided amongst the sons. The firstborn gets a double portion and everybody else gets divided amongst the vod, which is all well and good for all girls because when a woman says she doesn't inherit from her parents, but she will inherit with her from her in-laws, her husband's parents she will inherit. So what about the case where you have a family with only daughters and no sons? 
So that's exactly what Tzlofcha. Tzlofcha has five daughters, and they say, Lama nigar, why, why are we going to miss out? We, our father's not going to get inheritance in the land of Israel because there are no sons in the family. So what's going to be? So Moshe doesn't know what the answer is. So he says, I don't know, I'll go ask Hashem. So this is, that story ends with the following. It says, and, and Hashem said to Moshe, this is number one, and Hashem said to Moshe, the plea of Tzlofcha's daughters is just, and you should give them an hereditary holding in the, amongst their father's kinsmen. I. The daughters of Tzlovchad will inherit. They will inherit. And I'm going to paraphrase what it says now. They will inherit, but they have to marry in the tribe so that their tribal land never gets... So if they, from, they are from the tribe of Menashe. So it shouldn't be that if they marry some from Binyamin, so Binyamin is going to get ownership of the land. So they have to stay. They have to marry in the tribe. They're not allowed to marry outside of the tribe. But they can inherit the land of their father. So in a case where there are no, uh, no sons, the daughters inherit. Okay, you should know that uh, that albeit doesn't have a lot of halachic ramifications, but one of the areas where it does um, is the idea of a family with no sons where the daughters say Kaddish. So Kaddish is ordinarily <coughs> reserved for children, and the sons are the ones who normally get it because they are the ones who are going to be attending Minyan. But what happens if there are no sons? Then the daughters say it. That's uh, how it should be done. Okay, so, so back to Rashi. So Rashi explains the timing here. He says, he says, Moshe, here we go. Moshe said, hold on a second here. What do we hear about Slofchad? If he died, he had these children. His daughters are going to inherit, are going to inherit his, uh, his, not his wealth, but his, the land that he gets. So Moshe says, back to our sheets here. Okay, since we go. So if, we are talking about children inheriting their parents. I want to say something as well. It's up to, I'd like to say something as me. Now this is something you haven't seen this before. It's profound. I want my children to inherit my position. So Moshe has two sons, Gershon and Eliezer. And my guess is if I were to ask many of you on the call this evening, who were Moshe's sons? People might not even know if he had sons or what became of them because we know nothing of them. We don't see them say anything. We don't see them do anything. In fact, their names, Gershon's name is mentioned twice in the Torah and Eliezer's name is mentioned once in the Torah. And that is it. We don't know anything about them. So, so Moshe apparently, for the last 40 odd years that he's been leading B'nai Israel, he has had in his deepest hearts, this desire that his children are going to take over his leadership. That was the plan. And uh, he, he'd seemingly been priming them and educating them and gearing them towards, towards leadership. And now it was just a question of when they're going to be appointed. And what happens? He says, now's the time. Since Slofchad's daughters are inheriting their father, I want my children to inherit me. So what? So, so that's what it says to you know, you've got Hashem, Hashem. So when Moshe says, I want you to appoint a leader that there shouldn't be a flock without a shepherd, what he is, is it, 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 he's trying to euphemistically hint to the fact that he wants his children to take over. That's what's happening over here. So what's Hashem say? I'm a Kodesh Baruch Hu. So Rashi says, Hashem answers Moshe. I disagree. I don't think that's right. Um, in my opinion, says Hashem, Joshua is the individual who should inherit you since he's been serving you. 
He has not left your side for the last 40 years. He has been your, um, your understudy, your protege for the last 40 years. He's going to take it. And Rashi adds in a verse from the book of Proverbs over here. The one who plants the fig is the one who gets to benefit from the fruit, to eat from the fruit. So Moshe, it is not your children who will take over, but rather Yoshua will take over. Okay, so Moshe had this blind spot. What is the blind spot? He was convinced that even though we as readers of the narrative that we've seen from the beginning, that Yoshua was the obvious successor, Moshe himself never saw it. He always thought that his kids would be the leaders. His kids would inherit it from him. And that was quite obvious. But Hashem said, no, not going to be that way. So I had, Moshe didn't, didn't click that it was going to be Yoshua. So to understand exactly how Moshe got duped, I think we have to, we have to uh, look at something else. Um, and that is, what is this introduction? So when Moshe starts off, he says, he says, Vedebeshem, it uh, says, God of all spirits. Now what on earth does that mean? So Rashi has one explanation. So let's go see what Rashi says. Well, let's look at two, we're going to look at two opinions. First, we're going to see Rav Yosef Bechoshol, one of the early commentators on the Chumash. He says, Yifkod Hashem Elokei Ruchot. So we said, Yifkod, appoint Hashem Elokei Ruchot. So what does Elokei Ruchot mean? Does it mean God of all spirits? Or does it mean Elokei Ruchot Lachobasal? The spirits of all flesh. The English translation, how, how does the English translation have it? The source of breath of all flesh. That's how the English one here. So look at that. There are going to be two very definitions, different uh, uh, definitions, explanations. So Yosef Rechosh says as follows. So first he's going from a different perspective. He said, since I know, I'm Moshe, no, I'm not going into Israel. That we need to appoint a leader to uh, rule over them. And you, Hashem, and you understand the spirit of every single person. I, Hashem, you have the insight of people. And you know, Hashem, who should be the leader. Says, I, I don't know. Moshe, according to the Bechoshu, is Moshe says, I have no idea who should lead this people. I, I, you, you see inside people. You know what's going on within people. So you look at in the hearts of all people and please, please can you put, because man, we can see what's, what's superficial. You can see what's in the depths of people's hearts. So that's the way that Moshe explains it. That's the way the Bechor Shoah explains it. That Moshe is, is out of all humility saying, Hashem, you see the best leader, you pick it. Now we've already seen that Rashi, Rashi doesn't understand it that way. Rashi understands, no, that Rashi understands that he, he was hoping for his kids. Now why does Rashi say that? Because there's something else that comes a little bit earlier. So I've got 
One, two, three, four over here. So we said one is the store of Tzlovchad, and Rashi in one point says that Tzlovchad, that was the thing that caused Moshe, the timing for Moshe, to, um, to ask for his uh, children to take over. But in chapter two, it's in number two, paragraph two, it says, The Lord said to Moshe, Ascend up these hearts of the Abraham and view the land that I have given to your Israelite people. When you have seen it, you too shall be gathered unto your kin, just as your brother Aaron was. So it says, Come, you're going to go up to the mountain, you're going to view Eretz Israel, but you're not going to go in there because you're going to die. But you will die just as your brother Aaron died. Now, what do you mean, just as your brother Aaron died? So Aaron died, so you're going to die, like Aaron, but what do you mean, just as your brother? So Rashi says, Kasher Nesaf uh, like your brother Aaron died. Moshe desired to die like Aaron. How did Aaron die? So Aaron died with his son taking over. Because who's the Kohen Gadol? We read a little bit later over here. Elazar Kohen. Elazar Kohen. Elazar is Aaron's son. So Aaron died. You're going to die like Aaron. So Moshe says, I'm going to die like Aaron. So what does that mean? And Tzlosovskhad ah, must mean that my kids are going to take over. So Rashi has, the, according to Rashi, Moshe has this incredibly profound belief that he is going to be, that, uh, that his children are going to take over. But look how Rashi understands this concept of lokei kolaruchot. So the God of all spirits. So remember, the Bechor Shur says that you, Hashem, understand the spirits of Orban and only you know who the best leader can be. So please, Hashem, you do it. I, Moshe, don't know who should lead. Look how Rashi reads it. Elokei haruchot. Lama So what on earth does this have to do with anything? Ama lefanav. Moshe said to Hashem, Rebona shalom, Hashem. Kalui v'yadua lefanecha. It's revealed and known to you. Datol shakol echad ve'echad. The, 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 the personalities and characters of every single person. And you know, parenthetically, as well as I know, that not everybody's the same. Please can you appoint upon them a leader. Please appoint a leader that will be able to sovel, tolerate, be patient with each and every other character. So Moshe says to Hashem, times come, Shem, you know how difficult these people can be. We need someone who's patient. We need someone who's tolerant. We need someone who's understanding. And it just so happens, I know exactly the people to do that. Who are those people? My sons. My sons, they're the ones that I've been gearing for the last 40 years. I've been I've been raising them in order to be tolerant and patient. They lived in homes where we've had We've had Korach, we've had Datan Navira, we've had complaints from Mitzrayim. There's no water, there's no manna, there's no this, there's no that. I, they, they know exactly what's going through. And so therefore they are appropriate. And how does Hashem answer? Hashem answers, mm, no, that's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Yehoshua. Yehoshua is the guy. So that's Rashi, that's the Bechoshor. And um, I'm now going to... Try try explain a little bit of this incredible profound. What, what what's going on in this particular story? So initially, I presented it in such a way that that Moshe's 
says, he gets to a point in his life, he says, okay, we need, according to Rashi, again, this is the, the psychology in the Pasha, is really the psychology of Rashi's understanding of the Pasha, that, that when Moshe comes to Hashem and says, we need a leader, I can't be here, but we need a new leader. So first and foremost, he comes to Hashem and says, we need a leader. But uh, you didn't think Hashem would appoint a leader. And then he starts saying, you know what, we need a leader, we need a leader that is patient and tolerant. Somebody that has the ability to work with all different kinds of people. And I want my children to take over. And Hashem says, no, Moshe, you're sure. So why was Moshe blind? Like, what was he blind? So the simple reading, and this is the way I've always sort of understood it, they was blind to the fact that his kids just weren't appropriate. Moshe's kids never amount to anything. We never see anything. In fact, Moshe's grandchildren land up worshipping idols. We see in the book of Judges. So initially, you know, and even when I spoke about this topic, I started reading about it and I said, ah, oh, the blind spot was the fact that Moshe saw his children could do no wrong. His children, such Sadiqin, they were perfect children and they were going to be the leaders. And that was his blind spot. That sometimes we can't see um, our children's flaws. We only see them good. And, and I think that would have been sufficient. You know, Dayenu, blind spots like a blind spot in a car or blind spots in other areas of life is something that everybody else can see, but you can't. So there, there's a concept in psychology called the Johari's Windows, which is the things that you know about yourself and everybody else knows. So that's revealed. And the things that you know about yourself but nobody else, and those are the private things. They're things that um, you don't know and nobody else knows. So that's deep within your psyche. And then blind spots, things that everybody knows except for you. Everybody's aware that that's who you are. So this is like um, when uh, someone does, uh, like when my kids do my, um, they imitate me. So, you know, everyone laughs and say, yeah, that, that's your dad, that's your dad. And I'm like, really? Like, that's me? I've never known. So that's my blind spot. So they, they pick up on everything. You know, every time I give a drosh, they come and tell me, you do this, you fidget, yeah, you plate your glasses, you scratch your nose, you pick up your kippah, whatever, you keep pulling your tiles. Things that I'm, I'm not aware of the fact that I'm doing, but everybody else is aware of it. So that's the blind spot. And that's why I wouldn't say. But I think there's something more profound. And, and that is that the problem wasn't that Moshe thought that his children were right is that Moshe thought he knew what was right meaning he starts off the kind of uh, discussion with Hashem saying we need a leader who's tolerant and patient and can accept all these different kinds of people please don't let them go like flocks uh, flock without a shepherd and how does Hashem answer Hashem says that's not the kind of leader we have we need that's the kind of leader you are Moshe and you've served your purpose, and you've done a great job. But we are going into a, a completely different circumstance now. We are leaving from a world of miraculous existence, of, of manna and, and wells coming through us, and clouds of glory that surround us into a land where we're going to have to fight battles. And we're going to have to fight Jericho and all the other seven Canaanite nations. And we need a military leader. We don't need someone who's patient. We need someone who's courageous. We need someone who's mighty. We need someone who can, who can fire up the troops. That's what we need as a leader. So the, the blind spot in Moshe wasn't the fact that he thought his sons would be perfect leaders. His sons might have been perfect successes for Moshe. But that's not what we needed now. We needed a different kind of leader. And sometimes the problem isn't that, that, that um, we, we don't see the reality in our children. It's that we don't see the reality be around us. Is that we think that the kind of leadership that B'nai Yisrael needs is this. And the reality is it wasn't. Yeshua was the great leader because Yeshua was going to be completely different to Moshe. 
A successor is not somebody who just carries on. It's not like a runner that I run as fast as I can and I pass my baton on to someone else and they run as fast as they can. But if I could run the whole the whole thing at the same pace, I wouldn't need him. And the only reason is because I'm, I'm going to pass on, I'm going to move on, and we need someone to carry on. That's not what's happening here, is that we need someone to run a completely different race. Moshe, you took a slave nation out of bondage, and you took them for 40 years in the wilderness. But the nation that stands in front of you now is a different nation. There are people who've never tasted the bitter tears of slavery. They, didn't, they were born outside of it. They don't know how to relate. The concept of miracles is something they've just grown up with. They've never felt the whip on their back. They are free people. And a free people going into their own land need a different kind of leader. And so it's not a matter that your children are not appropriate you know, to carry on with you. It's that we don't need you anymore. And so what happens here is also a shift in the fact is that the Moshe is not leading B'nai Israel into the land of Israel is not only a fact that he sinned, was the fact that he wasn't the leader that we needed anymore. You needed a change of leadership. And that was Moshe's blind spot. So the idea is that sometimes it's not a matter that you, 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 you are the right man for the job, but the job has changed. And if the job changed, we needed a different job. Uh, we needed a, a different leader. And that's Moshe. And that's your show. And that's what you've missed. So that's uh, insights. Was, uh, this, I suppose you could say, is, uh, would have been in, in lieu of a... Uh, the drosha that would have been on Shabbat morning. So now you can uh, record it or it is recorded. I hope uh, you found that uh, interesting. Um, I see there are a couple of people. So if anybody has any questions, I will now allow you to unmute yourselves. Please help unmute yourself and ask away. Yes. I understand that you say different times, different leadership required. Okay, and, and the you again, Slave nation was was best suited for Moshe's leadership, but how how did the Almighty know? What was, well, we know it went over. What, what were what were the attributes or the characteristics that made Joshua stand out as the kind of leader to to lead the Jewish people in these different challenging times? Well, he was a warrior. He was a warrior. We saw him that in the first battle when we left Mitzrayim. So Amalek attacks us. And Hashem, Moshe says to Yoshua, go get warriors and go fight against Amalek tomorrow. That's the first thing that happens is he wages war against Amalek. We see Yoshua's language. Every time we see Yoshua speak in the Chumash, it's about waging war. So he says it when he goes to wage war. No, it, it, we, were, we were going into the land of Israel and we needed a warrior. That's what the leadership we needed because that's what Yeshua was. Yeshua's job was to go and all he does, what does he do? He conquers the land of Israel for seven years and, he, and then, the people, and then he uh, divides up the land for seven years. That's all Yeshua does. He's not, he's not going to be the teacher of Moshe. He's not going to teach Torah. He's not going to bring halacha. He's not that kind of leader. He's not, you know, we say Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe our teacher. But Yeshua is something completely different. Yeshua is going to be our leader from as a warrior. And that's who he leads. The, the, the Gemara talks about all the time that Moshe was like the sun and Yeshua was like the moon. That All the moon could do is reflect the light of the sun. But it has no intrinsic light in of itself. It was a completely different leadership. But, I, but as I was saying earlier, every time Yeshua speaks, Yeshua, first the thing we see, he goes out towards Amalek. The second time you see Yeshua is when Moshe comes down from the mountain. And, and, and Yeshua says, there's a sound of war in the camp. 
The third time we see Yeshua speaking is when the elder and maid that are prophesizing and he says to Moshe, there's this terrible thing happening. We need to destroy these people. Every time we see Yeshua, there's this, there's this, uh, this, I don't want to say violent, but, but this idea that we need to wage a war. We need to create a battle. And that is the, what's going to happen. And you'll see it throughout Yeshua. If you go throughout the Sefer Yeshua, that's all it's about. It's one battle after another. Any other question? Yeah, Amina. Yeah. Um, just about what you just said now, which I think it's the beginning of Tekka Akos, it talks about that God gave Moses the Torah and Moses passed it on to your church. They wasn't just the soldiers, but he then passed it on to the men of the race, the family, and so on. So he was obviously a spiritual leader in a way as well. I'm not, I'm not doubting there's a spiritual leader, but he wasn't a, a, he wasn't a Moshe Rabbeidu. His, uh, his role was not to disseminate Torah. His was to be a faithful transmitter of Torah. And so it went from uh, Moshe to Yeshua to the Zakanim and so on and so forth. But uh, Moshe, Moshe was the, uh, you know, the sole you know, recipient of the Torah at Sinai. Yeshua wasn't that. He was never. And throughout, throughout Chazal, we see that Yeshua... We, we never learn halacha or, you know, from Yeshua. It's really, it's, an, it's not what his goal was. It's not what his role was. He, he, was, a, uh, he was a strategic militant leader. I, again, not, not to, please, please don't, I'm not saying he was a barbarian. I'm not saying that he was a, was a Samson or someone went out, uh, he wasn't Moshe Dayan. I mean, that's not what I'm suggesting. I'm just saying, relative to Moshe, whereas Moshe, we, we don't see, other than killing the Egyptian and, and chasing off a few of the shepherds, Moshe, Moshe's skill wasn't in taking to arms. His was in davening, doing miracles, bringing uh, the Torah down. Uh, everything he did was by miraculous nature or through prophetic means. Whereas Yeshua, it's going to be by picking up arms and waging wars against the nations. That's Yeshua's job. That's what he does. All right. All right, everybody. Well, I hope you learned a lot tonight. I, I, I'm enjoying, if nothing else, I'm enjoying preparing for these sharing. So I hope you're enjoying them as much as I'm enjoying preparing them. If you miss any, they're all being podcast through the Krebs cycle every day, so you can catch up on them. Um, to that end, I hope you have a pleasant evening. And uh, tomorrow night is our, uh, will be, uh, I think, the fifth, fifth class now in the battles for the soul of Israel. We'll be dealing with the question of uh, negotiating prisoner swaps, Gilad Shalit and others, and uh, the big controversy that that caused in Israel and still does. So I hope to see you tomorrow evening at 7.30. Wish you all a Laila Tov. Thanks, Thanks Rabbi. Thanks, Rabbi. Really